0: Hey, HBs! You're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels while catching up, snarking, and loving on the genre. This week, I am still a bleary-eyed resident of Camp Newborn Snuggles, so we have an excellent little ear snack for you. I had the pleasure of talking about an amazing book with one of the sweetest and most astute people on the planet. Jenny Nordback from the Wicked Wallflowers Club podcast. Here's our discussion of Priest by Sierra Simone. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. <laughs> Hi, Melody. How are you? <laughs> I am fabulous. How are you? Excellent. I am really, really fucking stoked. Mostly is how I feel about this. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> this is exciting.
1: Yeah. We're, we're making the first of the crossovers happen. We
0: are. We are forging new territory in romance novel podcast Landia, mm. I guess. <laughs> Is how I'm going to phrase that. It's a new colony. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a it's a nice beautiful space where we frolic and there are books, there are flower crowns, you know, yeah. all the good things in life, I think. Shirtless men, I think <laughs> there, shirt, would <laughs> there would have to be there would have to so many cabana boys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um all right. Well, hello everyone. I'm here not with Erin this time. We are doing our series for my maternity leave. So Jenny Nordback from Wicked Wallflowers Club has come on to recap a book with me. And I'm super stoked about it because a lot of people have requested that we do something like this in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super stoked. Yeah,
1: I am not Aaron and I will try I feel like when people have a like substitute host on my favorite podcast mm. I'm always like shut up not Aaron. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear you, so I will try not to be too annoying.
0: <laughs> no, I think that our listener is going to really really enjoy it. And you, we chose a book where you have a metric fuck ton of insight. So that's exciting. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we should just lay this out up front because it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I used to be a dominatrix, if you guys are not familiar with me. So I was a dominatrix right out of college. And then I wrote a book about it and it came out last year. Mm -hmm. Um, The book is called The Scarlet Letters My Secret Year of Men in an LA Dungeon. And it catalogs that whole time in my life and time after that and Uh to where I am now married with babies and whatever so so yeah I know a fair bit about BDSM I have seen some shit (laughs) so so when Melody reached out she was like what book do you want to do do you want to like hate read one and like one that's, like, got bad BDSM. And I was like, yes, I do, but I can't. But I'm like, not going
0: to do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to try
1: We'll do that over, like, drinks sometime.
0: Yes, please. Well, I only asked that because I feel like there's so many misconceptions about BDSM, yeah. and there's so much... So much bad that happens that gives yeah. BDSM and kink in general a bad name. So I I was like, we could use it as a platform for you to be like, hey, guys, this this thing right here that happened, that's not safe. That's abuse. Yeah. This yeah. is different. Here's what not to do. <laughs> right? Yeah, it would
1: be totally effective. But <laughs> instead, yes. we're going to do it using the magnificent oh. Sierra Simone. Oh,
0: my gosh. Sierra motherfucking Simone. I... Kinda. I read Sinner first. And so when you suggested Priest, I was just so excited because I wanted to read it anyway. But since Sarah McLean has stolen my soul, one day <laughs> <laughs> she um, she made a, a Twitter post about Sinner. And I was like, well, that's an obvious one click. Like, I can't not. Yeah. And I loved that. And now Priest is the, the first book in the series. And Oh, good Lord. Did it not? I mean, it it did not disappoint. Yeah.
1: So on our show, Wicked Wallflowers Club is another romance podcast. And I asked during one of our episodes for like a hot brother menage was what I was after. Like kind of questionable incest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Lee Kramer was like, all right, it's not brothers. But Sierra Simone has this trilogy, her new Camelot trilogy. And they're like, they feel like brothers. And it's a menage and it's super and whatever. So I was about to read that. And same thing, Sarah McLean. I told Sarah that I was about to read a Sierra Simone and she's like, Is it Priest? <laughs> I know. And I was like, No. And she's like, then stop and read Priest. Mm-hmm. So I did. And yeah. Well, and we were camping at the time. We went camping for a month for sort of maternity leave when my baby was two months old so I had a two-year-old and a two-month-old and we went camping for a month in the pacific northwest that's Um, amazing so we were in like bum fuck nowhere with no (laughs) signal and I read priest in like one night and I'm like I have to talk to someone and Mm -hmm. there was no one to talk to except my husband so my husband just had to sit there and listen to me like (laughs) wax poetic about his (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, I'm like, And then he, well, I don't want to get, you know, totally too far ahead of ourselves, but he did X, Y, and Z with, with the holy implements. And, uh-huh. and he's like, what the fuck are you reading? And I'm what like, you fuck don't fuck
0: understand. <laughs> no, you don't understand how beautiful it is. Yeah. It sounds just taboo. And, and like, I don't know, but it's not. It doesn't and feel it, taboo. Yeah, it's not taboo for the sake of being taboo. Yes. And and I I feel like throughout the book she manages to elevate the taboo to actually sacred and holy in a, totally. a different way. God, yeah. it's so So I am not religious. Listeners know this. I did actually spend quite a bit of time going to Catholic mass. Because, (laughs) oh boy, because I volunteered at a local hog farm while I was in 4-H so that I could get discounts on my 4-H pigs and they were super Catholic. So I was like, of course, I'll go and have some Jesus with you. Excellent. Great. Let's do that. Like right after chores (laughs) (laughs) to get your discount. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, I also loved the family. They were just like amazing people. So I have spent a lot of time in Catholic churches And there is something about that space that is uh, so moving a lot of times, even if you're not necessarily Catholic. Yeah. So I I felt a lot of that in this book, too. Yeah. It was really, really nice.
1: I've definitely found that. So my degree is in archaeology. So Mm. I've spent a lot of time in, like, ancient spaces and particularly more in the old world. And, yeah, you go into some of these churches, like, King's College in Cambridge or yeah. anywhere with a vaulted ceiling. Oh. Vaulted ceilings like turn me on.
0: Vaulted ceilings and stained glass. I have
1: some kind of weakness for it. Yeah. It is. It has this like visceral impact mm-hmm. on you. So the idea of like this explosive sexual chemistry acted out in that sacred space is like... It's mind... Yeah, mind-blowing. Exactly.
0: That was yeah. me doing
1: a mind-blown gesture, by the way. It that was. could have been anything to go with the same. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Should we jump in? We should. Let's do it. Oh, my God. I'm so stoked. Okay. So we have Tyler Bell and Poppy Danforth in this beautiful tale of... Uh, I don't know... What's a good word for it? It's forbidden oh it is of like forbidden love yeah, absolutely yeah. okay so Tyler is a priest please Father Bell. oh oh I'm I'm so sorry you're right. I'm doing the sign of the cross right now. How dare I <laughs> is not Tyler yet or to no you. <laughs> you are so correct yes Father Bell is serious business. he is 29. he is hot as balls like. Like, the one of the side characters, um, she's a, a 60-ish-year-old, just wonderful, rich, beautiful side character. She talks later in the book about how she always thought that he was wasting his body and his potential and, like, his virility <laughs> by joining the priesthood so young. She's just like, this is a crime against women. Thank you. It's so great. Yeah, <laughs> It's so good and the prologue so i take issue with the prologue actually huh. i do because it ends with him being like i broke my vows on the altar i'm like bish you broke your vows way before that, but... Like, yeah, I do. I've got it in my notes marked like lie number one, lie yeah. number two. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, and it's a very like Judeo-Christian view of sex and how sex is only penis and vagina penetration. Penis all the way in the vagina. The- oh, my God. If it's only an so- inch
1: and a half, <laughs> it's, it's okay, but we'll get there. Yeah. If
0: you're playing just the tip, there's some questions. <laughs> I love that they
1: end up playing just the tip. I was like, oh my God, how old are you? I loved it. It doesn't count.
0: It's not all the way in. It's not. It's not. It's just like a little taste. Um, Okay. So Tyler is sitting in the confession booth and he's like, he's setting himself up to be a a pretty modern priest. He's like, Mm -hmm. this confession booth is, it's old and it's overwhelming and it's very like He wants it to be nicer. But then in walks a woman with a throaty laugh and she's uh, a little nervous. She's wondering why she's even there and what she should be doing. She tries to leave and he's like, stop. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. And he's like, I used a voice that I haven't used in a really, really long time. A voice that like is not appropriate in this space <laughs> dumb voice he yeah? pulls,
1: she pulls dumb voice out of him and he's like tried to close that part of his life
0: off yeah and he can't focus because he's like i haven't laid eyes on this woman i don't know what is creating this sense in me but it's happening there's something
1: interesting that happens in that scene where he's like attracted to her voice and he's kind of intrigued but what he really responds to is this cry for help that she gets yes him. She says, I need to know that everything will be okay. Oh. And it just, like, speaks to this place in his soul where he's, like, isn't that what we're all looking for? Yeah. Like, don't we all mm-hmm. need to know that? And most of the time we don't. And so that was interesting to me that it's not... So often in romance novels, it's the that just, like, bone-deep attraction first. Yes. But there is this, like emotional connection that he feels and a desire to help her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think was important.
0: Absolutely. He hears her vulnerability and the line I highlighted was he wants to kiss away every single tear because she starts crying in the confession booth. She's still really vague about what she's upset about. She just knows that she's looking for something and she's not sure where she's going to find it. And then she leaves abruptly and he kind of doesn't know what to do with himself. He thinks about her for the
1: rest of the day. He hasn't even seen her, right? Like, he doesn't catch a glimpse of her this time. Nope. He's just got this, like, impression of who she is. Yeah. Well, and I love when someone says, like, "All right, this is a book about a priest who breaks his vows. Uh And you're like, there are certain scenes that have to happen if that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. And uh, she sits down on the other side of the confessional and, you know, starts saying those words that we all know whether we're Catholic or not. And I just that connection between the two of them. I was like, yes, give it to me. Uh
0: Yeah, and it happens from Jump, which is so, so awesome. Yeah, and then we learn a little bit more about him. We learn that he's young. As Aaron would say, he's still capable of uh, identifying women as sexy. (laughs) But he hasn't ever felt compelled by someone at all during his time as a priest until now, let alone by just her voice. Um, Jenny, I have to be honest with you. I pictured her having your voice. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You have got an excellent voice. I don't mean to objectify your vocal cords, however. I'm blushing. (laughs) All right. So he loves The Walking Dead. Um, I love that tidbit.
1: Yeah. He's he's
0: just this. He's what
1: you want a modern priest to be. Like he's a human fucking being. Because I think you picture like. A priest and they're just in the church all the time. But like, what do they do in their off time? They Mm -hmm. have to have a life and they don't just read the Bible all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we jump to the next week. She returns to confession, right? And he catches a glimpse of red lipstick. And she says that she's stalked him on the website, which, you know, so she has obviously identified him as a sexy man. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and then we get a little bit of her confession. She's been working a job somewhere in the sex industry. We don't know where she does say that she's not a quote unquote prostitute right. and then my favorite part about this is the nuance that she doesn't feel bad about the sex work. She feels bad because she feels like she should feel bad about the sex work. yeah, and I fucking loved that so much, yeah
1: it elevates it beyond the obvious of like oh i've you know been a bad bad slut it's like i've been a slut and i liked it and i and don't feel bad
0: mm-hmm. so i kind
1: of feel bad or i feel conflicted that i don't feel bad yeah. what's wrong with me that everyone else would feel bad and i don't
0: yeah 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 and she's feeling this tension between fully indulging this like baser version of herself and uh, it's just as limiting as it she I think she feels like almost caught in this Madonna whore complex totally yeah that's what I got from it anyway so uh, yeah she wants a life where she can have both guys yeah she just wants to be
1: treated like a dirty slut in the bedroom yes but still be able to be respected as a an intelligent woman outside of the bedroom don't exactly. weigh fucking all isn't <laughs> that oh my gosh that's the dream
0: guys <laughs> it really really is Um, yeah Poppy is a great a great example of the fact that your politics do not need to match your bedroom preferences
1: totally Yeah. and
0: I, I dig that about her
1: <laughs> yeah
0: my other note
1: from this chapter is that his first thought upon seeing her mouth is that he wants his dick in it and yes. i here for it
0: me too <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he's like, before I could stop myself, I thought, I want my dick in that mouth. I want that mouth crying my name, <laughs> and then it's just so good. So he pulls himself together, and she says that she'll, she's going to come back to confession next week. And he's like, I look forward to it, Poppy. And the way he said her name was in that voice, the one I didn't use anymore, the one that I used to have, that used to have women dropping to their knees and reaching for my belt without me having to say so much as please. Oh boy, Uh, guys, (laughs) Father Bell is doing things to me. Yeah. Yeah. And we're off to the races now. Literally, because he has
1: to go running to like try to get his boner to go down because (laughs) he
0: He needs to send his blood elsewhere. Yeah. Because it (laughs) will not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he's out for his daily run. He's listening to Britney Spears, which I also loved that detail. Yeah. And I loved the way it started funny and then becomes incredibly sweet later in the book. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So a friend of mine just called me the other day and he was like, What was your name for my old iPod? Because his old iPod was like schizophrenic, I swear. It would go on random and and go everywhere. And I was like, oh, scheme pod. That was my name <laughs> for it. Because that iPod was up to something. It really was. And this time, he had to call me because it went from Death Cab to Britney to Wu-Tang Clan. Wow. And that is what this section reminded me of because I was just like, that's perfect. That thing either has a plan or... Or it's anarchy. I don't know. That's a flashback to like
1: driving in the van to debate tournaments in like early high school. Like that combination of music.
0: Yes, absolutely. Where somebody was in charge of the mix that week and you were like, what the fuck, dude? What's happening? But I secretly (laughs) kind of like it. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So he's running, listening to Britney, and he's trying to run Poppy out of his mind. It's not working, guys. It's not going to work. Frankly, spoiler alert, not going to work. And he's very, he feels like he's very committed to the priesthood. Oh, and I love this too. The nuances in this are so good. He says that he doesn't know if he wants to control himself. It doesn't Mm. say that he doesn't think he can control himself. He doesn't think he wants to. And I just dug that so hard. Like he actually makes the distinction. It's so good. Yeah. It made my feminist heart swoon. Although this whole character throughout the book makes my feminist heart swoon. Yeah. He's yeah.
1: he's something.
0: Yeah. He's so great. And we'll get, I've got notes because there's
1: a character named Sterling who's like the foil to him and yep. is like, shows you just how fine that line is between being this like rock star feminist ally and being a misogynist prick. Yes. And it's like a razor's edge, but Father Bell is on the right side of it.
0: Oh, Father Bell is walking that line. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so he decides that he can't, he tells her, he's going to tell her he can't hear her confession. He's like, I'll refer her to another priest, but I obviously need to get this temptation out of my life. And then all of a sudden, he runs into her also running. Not literally this time, but... She stops him because she can hear Brittany in his headphones. And so she's like, hey, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> what's going on with you? And he loves her sweaty runner's body. And then he notices that she loves his sweaty runner's body. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And they're both not wearing much. And they're already sweaty. And mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my favorite line from this one is her eyelashes made me hard. That oh, was a God, new benchmark that. for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, guys, this I'm going to try not to make this into the audiobook version of this novel, but I want to I just you have to go read this. Okay. So, she asks about his office hours because she's like, I was thinking I might come on days that are not confession days. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's that's fine and his his response about religion here is so awesome. Because it's not the hard Catholic cell. Not that there is a specific Catholic hard cell, just like a religious hard cell. But he's just like, you know, spirituality is something, but religion is not necessarily for everyone. And I don't want you to feel pressured to specifically seek out Catholicism. And she's like, well, does a crazy hot priest give me a good enough excuse? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> And then she just basically jogs away. She just leaves him hanging in that space of, like, oh, is she flirting with me? Yeah. Like, she's not allowed to
1: flirt, but I think she is. And I, yeah, uh, he's so, uh, and he's so guilty in this scene. Like, he's Mm. just not in a way that annoys me. I don't do well with really angsty books where it's like, dude, just go, like, Go fucker, it's fine. Right. He's toiling over it in a really sensible way. And he has legitimate things at stake. Like there's a lot that he would lose. And you know, we haven't even gotten into all the layers of that yet. Right. But yeah, he's so guilty, but not in an angsty annoying way. And it like I don't kind of excites me that he's that guilty. Yeah. I've even made that note. I was like, his guilt turns me on, but I'm twisted uh-huh. like that. Like I like that he
0: like can't have it, but he wants it so bad that Yeah. Uh it's yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it makes the build it, it gives the build that many more layers. And then it also makes the payoff that much more satisfying, you know, or like the scenes where he comes to terms or or seems to come to terms with his wants and his religion or his place in that religion. It's just it's very cool. So then he's taken a lot of cold showers, everyone. He's really he's doing all the things you're supposed to do. He says that he needs his collar, especially that day to remind himself that he practices self-denial for his god, parish and sister. And he doesn't want his interest in Poppy to destroy everything he's worked so hard for. Because not only is there abuse in his family background, but he came into this parish right after an abuse scandal with the former priest yep. and so he's been working really really hard to rebuild the trust of the the entire parish and community so they're really you're right there really is so much at stake for him in even contemplating this tryst, you know?
1: Yeah, he has joined the priesthood in part to set out to prove that priests can be true to their their vows and that they can be decent human beings. And it's completely different from the abuse that happened in the parish before, but it's still breaking your vows. So it's like it even goes beyond the normal priest not wanting to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So he goes and visits his mom and his brother's And it's very cute. We learn that Sean, the guy from Sinner, has just been invited to this secret gentleman's club where it's elite and secret and things happen there. And who knows, really? It's all cloak and dagger and, I don't know, smoke. That's what I meant. Smoke and, I don't know. So (laughs) I'm over it. Moving on. I think you were right with cloak and daggers. That's... Smoke and mirrors. That's what I meant. Oh, probably yeah, literally. Di- cloak
1: and dagger and smoke and mirrors. Two different yeah, yeah, yeah. pairings yeah. that we could use here.
0: In this way, it's it's probably literally smoke and mirrors. So why don't we go with yes, that one? Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> so we also learn about his sister's suicide here. And basically we'll only get into it once. She was abused by a priest for most of her childhood into her teens. And then um, ended up committing suicide in their garage when she was 19. And it obviously tore the family apart because they were very committed to the Catholic faith. And most of them have sort of walked away from it. Whereas Father Bell obviously tripled down. Yeah. And it's been his mission to be a voice of sex positivity in all of the the right ways. And uh, also curtailing abuse within the priesthood so there really is so much happening in his psychology regarding this and then on his way home he starts thinking to himself hold on poppy mentioned a club where there were highfalutin
1: dudes uh, and illicit activities that you would feel guilty about
0: uh-huh could this he be do where she that. used to work yeah. yeah and he is completely jealous and i didn't hate it I usually hate things like that. But yeah, so he decides to find her and tell her to definitely visit his office hours. Oh, I loved it. He said, um, I sense that she was someone who was not easily lost, not easily broken. And for something to send her into a strange confession booth and to bring her to tears, well, no one should have to bear those kinds of burdens alone, especially someone as sexy as Poppy. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> And then they do literally bump into each other running. Mm -hmm. And he tells her to come to the office hours. She touches his chest. It's good stuff. Yeah, his (laughs) sweaty chest. Oh, Oh, and this is where it kind of goes off the rails for me. Like once I got to know Poppy a little bit more, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense because I feel like she had a bit of an agenda from the start but upon first read, I was like, "Who talks to anybody like this? Right. Let alone a really hot <laughs> priest." What's happening right now?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting use of perspective because it's Mm. the entire book is written in first person Mm -hmm. from the male perspective, which Mm -hmm. you don't normally get in romance novels. There have been some that do it recently. And I'm actually a little picky about first person. I don't usually love it. It's got to be really well done. Mm. And so because we're only seeing it from Father Bell's perspective, it's like, yeah, you don't know. Like, looking back on it, you're like, <laughs> she probably ran into him on purpose in her scantily oh. clad running gear. and Yeah, you know, like maybe. She was probably stalking him and like, oops, I ran into you. But because <laughs> we're only getting it from his perspective, that doesn't occur to him. Totally. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. You kind of wonder from the beginning, like, at what point does her I'm going to seduce the hot priest agenda set in? Like, mm-hmm. is it from the time she looks him up online and sees that he's a hot priest and he's been kind to her and she's like, I want that.
0: Or does
1: it happen more organically? But you don't, because we're seeing it from his perspective, we don't know that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The only times, there are three times where we get Poppy's perspective and it's all... Well, the first two were confessions, literal yeah. confessions. And then the last one happens in the epilogue. And I actually I was with it up until then. And then I was just like in the epilogue. I was like, who the fuck is she talking to? You know what I mean? Like me, the reader. Like I yeah. couldn't understand, you know, but that's fine. Yeah. I understand why it happened. I was just like, it made me have questions in a meta way that kind of took me out of the experience, you know, when it didn't. Close it, it didn't
1: wrap it all up in a nice package the way you want the epilogue to sure. necessarily. It was like, <laughs> wait, but hold on. I just saw something else. Like, uh huh. Yeah.
0: yeah, totally. All right. So. So meeting in his office, office uh-huh. hours. Office hours. So they're they're looking at each other. They're sitting next to each other on chairs. We as as opposed to what donkeys? Like what kind of sentence is that, Melody? <laughs> on chairs, everyone. <laughs> I mean, okay. To be fair, in Melody's defense,
1: she is clarifying that they are not sitting in the booth with a right. wall separating them. <laughs> That's where your head was. We're now sitting like normal fucking human beings in a room on chairs,
0: not donkeys. Right. Thank you, thank you, Jetty. Yeah. Oh, I really do need a translator a lot of times. <laughs> so she tells her a bit about herself. She's a blue-blooded lady from the Northeast and from like a, a standard cold Anglo- family waspy yeah yeah, with money for generations and she just rejected all of that and and scrammed after graduating yeah
1: like literally just walked away yeah hasn't talked to her parents in three years or something
0: yeah it's nuts yeah and she sort of mentions this this dude named sterling that he broke her heart but doesn't go into it and then she tells him all about her work at the the club we do find out that that is the club she was working at Mm -hmm. she started there and she just loved it in in a lot of ways what does it say okay i've got a
1: quote i can yeah please yeah it's a longer one but you guys have to stay with me on it
0: Uh uh-huh we will
1: I loved that they would become almost wild with the need to touch me, so wild that they would offer me astounding sums of money to come home with them, to leave the club and become their mistress, but I never accepted, even though many of them were handsome, even though I wasn't in a place where I could pretend money was no object. But something about it was antithetical to my very nature. And I couldn't imagine accepting any of those offers. Isn't that a ridiculous notion? A stripper insisting on preserving her virtue. Oh. And I was like, I've been there was yeah. what struck me was like I. So, you know, I worked as a dominatrix, but in a I mean, the equivalent of a club, a dungeon where so no sex, no penetration, no right. traditional sex acts, So no blowjobs, no handjobs, no exchange right. of bodily fluids, none of that kind of stuff everything else is fair game Mm -hmm. and yeah men would just be like driven wild with it and they would start offering you insane stuff like you know an apartment or whatever and they were serious and it was like the idea that you could drive a man to that point was so powerful and like such a rush that like you would kind of get hooked on not necessarily that specifically, but yeah, just being able to wield that effect shamelessly Mm -hmm. where like, you know, in normal daily life, we're supposed to be like, oh, I don't know I'm attractive and like, that's what's supposed to be attractive. But to be in this space where you could be like, yeah, like I have that impact and I fucking like it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. It's
1: cool. And so like, that she pulled that out here. I was like, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom in that, that we don't get in most public spaces. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's a really neat layer. But then (laughs) she tells Uh him about touching herself in front of club patrons. Oh my God. And she's like, these are the men who would have hired me, married me, donated to my charities and I would watch them rubbing themselves through their hundred hundreds of dollars trousers. And, and then I would allow them to watch me bring myself off in these back rooms. And he thinks to himself, like, filthy girl. <laughs> yeah. Dirty, filthy girl. And he, he loves likes it. it. He yeah. loves it. Yeah.
1: And he thinks he's about to, like, lose control and, like, mm-hmm. crawl across the booth and have his way with her. And her
0: phone goes off <laughs> and <Yeah>. saves him. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so good. Um, Although, we do find out here that she was actually starved for sex during this time period. Yep. She says that um she didn't accept any of those offers and, uh, you know, sex obviously was against the rules in the club, but she also didn't date a lot outside of it. So... I did wonder a little bit at that. It seemed like a bit of a hedge to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she enjoyed the space. She would touch herself in front of these people, but she never actually had sex. So maybe she still is uh, I like redeemable. Yeah. I don't know. There like was a it little bit of
1: that. Cross this line. Yeah, yeah. I totally get what you're saying, where it's like she's a bad girl, but she's still okay. Like she like, would she still be okay as our heroine if she had just fucked them indiscriminately? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know is the
0: answer. Or like dated outside, like, yeah. you know, done something else. She's not still, necessarily patrons. She's a
1: pure stripper.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah, And that was a.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I can go with you on that. But I think I can also understand because the line she has put above about a stripper insisting on preserving her virtue. Mm. There was something for me when I was working in that space, too, where I think in the almost two years that I was working at the dungeon, I did not have traditional sex with a single person.
0: Like, mm. I was doing
1: crazy shit all over the place at work and outside of work. But I yeah. didn't. And it was almost, yeah, like I was holding that back for me. And it there oh. wasn't, I wanted that, like, that should mean something or there should be some deeper level of intimacy to that. Or like, yeah, I don't know, there was like a some kind of internal personal power in holding that back. So that did also kind Ooh. of ring true for me and like felt authentic where I was like, yeah, I've been there where you're you're holding on to something. You're giving the rest of it away and you're enjoying it, but there is something left for you. Oh,
0: Jenny. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense and I didn't think about it like that. But I get what you're saying too about like, but a pure stripper. So yeah, no, and it didn't, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. I dug it still, but it was just like this line of like, why is that necessary? Or why is that? But I, I like that. I like that perspective. So she gets a work call and leaves and he's like, Oh God. Oh fuck. I'm so glad. Like, I don't, I don't know what I would have done otherwise. And then he immediately walks over to his desk like locks the door walks over to his desk and then masturbates so furiously that he covers his entire desk income like calendars yeah
1: his like st augustine calendar or
0: something (laughs) he has to get rid of the month of october or whatever it is yeah Oh, it made me so happy. In
1: fact, here's the line. My hand yeah. stilled and my breathing slowed and reality came crashing back down. Here I was, dick in hand, come all over my liturgical desk calendar, and a picture <laughs> of St. Augustine looking at me reproachfully from the wall. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like, he's that overcome that he just, like, pulls his dick out and comes on the nearest object.
0: He had to do it. He There was no other option. <laughs> oh, man. So... She runs into him at a coffee shop a couple of days later, looks over his spreadsheets because he's, uh, oh my, oh my God. And the wordplay here was just excellent. Yeah. But he's got these financial spreadsheets open because he's doing a church fundraiser. And he's, she's like, what did you go to school for? Because I don't think they taught you a lot about spreadsheets. And he says, I spend a lot more time in the other kind of sheets. (laughs)
1: Like, oh, my and gosh. And he's like, I don't know why I said that. But then yeah. it, like, has that effect on her. And uh-huh. yeah. when he quotes Seneca at her, and she recognizes it. And it's it's like this banter about spreadsheets and Seneca. And it's like, oh, yeah, tangling of wits. And
0: oh, he's got a total nerd boner right now. Yeah. And I, I did, too, frankly. Yeah, totally. It was so awesome. And then she vaguely references this past love. And he grabs her wrist to comfort her. And then he's like, I need to let go. I need to. Why aren't I letting go? This has gone too far. This is now awkward. And then he strokes the inside of her wrist and uh, neither of them know what to do with themselves. Really? So he freaks out. He's like, I'm going to break my vows in public in a coffee shop.
1: (laughs) I came on my desk. I don't know what's going (laughs) to happen.
0: Yep. We are not interested in other types of foam father bell so (laughs) she asks if he she can like walk him back to the church because of course he finds out her house is on the same block as the rectory she kisses his cheek goodbye and it's really sweet and then we jump to the nutter butters confession as i like (laughs) to call it (laughs) excellent because wow uh she goes into great detail about talking about the club And how it was carnal but lonely, and then he finally finds out the full story of Sterling. Sterling was her longtime boyfriend, first orgasm, first like everything basically, and he broke up with her in order to marry like another blue blooded broke up with her via wedding invitation. (gasps) Oh, fuck, you're right—the worst
1: thing I've ever heard. Like she finds out that he has been cheating on her because he. A wedding invitation is sent to her parents' house Buh. to his wedding to another woman. Like, Buh. that is
0: the level of douchebaggery that's happening here. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a prize, this one. Um, poor Penelope. Poor fucking Penelope, as Poppy calls her throughout. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons that she splits, basically. And he shows up at the club one day and buys a backroom dance. She comes out, is floored to see him. But then realizes or he tells her that he has sought her out. He has found her and he wants to make her his mistress. And she's like, I knew he was an asshole. I knew that this was bad for me. But I also knew that I was really starved for any kind of actual affection. And... I wanted it. And so I allowed him to fuck me in the back room. And that's really what it is, too, is like there's no prelude. There's no him worrying about her experience. There's nothing like he that. just like
1: pushes her face down into the bench and like yeah. does the deed. Well, and he says the most horrible degrading things to her. Not sexy degrading, because no. again, there's a difference. And we get mm-hmm. that just juxtaposition of like he tells her that he didn't marry her because deep down she's always going to be a slut, and he doesn't want that. And like, yeah, uh, oh yeah, and not in like a dirty girl way. No, like a,
0: he legitimately means it and is a prick. Actually, it says, "Oh God." Well, first of all, she says, "She says he asked me to come closer. It was a command, and Lord help me, I've always responded to commands." Which. Dig it. Sets up some excellence in the rest of the book. Yes. But then he tells her that she was made for being a whore, not a wife. And there is a very big difference in Sterling's mind because Madonna whore complex hurts everyone, Sterling, including you. (laughs) Like. (laughs) <laughs> now you're married to this person who he basically describes as frigid and he doesn't love and she doesn't love him it's a it's a true waspy business transaction essentially and now he still wants his quote-unquote whore that he had in the first place oh yeah. yeah it's just
1: no good for anyone it's poor, really not poor penelope
0: yeah god i feel so bad for her So, we get out of the confession and they keep talking and Father Bell is just like, I can't, I have to, how, I have to touch my, I can't not touch myself through my trousers. Like, will she hear if I unzip my pants? Because I'm dying over here. And there's a, it was a really beautiful conversation that really you should just read about what she feels ashamed of and like what she's working through and what she's emotionally processing. And then she starts talking about how even now, dot, dot, dot. And she's like, I have to go. <laughs> and so she goes to leave. He but busts she out. cracked the door. And he's uh-huh. like, oh, Yeah. He's, he busts out of his side of the confession booth and cages her in with his arms. She bites her lip in a way that shows that she is into it. And then he backs off to like give her one more chance to escape. Because if she doesn't, he is just going to tackle her right now. And she does not. She's just like sort of sort of coyly backing up toward the piano. Oh, uh-huh. oh man. And then you guys, it is on. Yeah. Oh,
1: my lord, he tells her to turn around, uh huh. So now he's basically got her bent over the piano in his office, oh, yeah, or in the oh, yeah. confessional room where the area,
0: is, yeah, who I, knows, yeah. All I can picture is vaulted ceilings and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stained glass and this hot ass priest. Um, and then he pushes her down, and she sees he sees that she didn't wear underwear. And he's like, did you not wear underwear for a specific purpose? And she's like, yes. And so he spanks her. Ah, Oh, boy. And then he pulls her skirt up and lifts it all the way up. He kneels down to her ass because she's on the piano. And he whispers, my little lamb, you're so very, very wet right now. <laughs> and then there is some from the rear oral action that is just wonderful. It's,
1: yeah. And this is such a good use. Brace yourselves, ladies, for the pearl oh. clutching. Such a good use of the word cunt.
0: Thank you. I was, I actually, in my notes, I say, she gets an honorary heaving bosoms. Thank you for using the word cunt well. Yeah. Because, oh my Lord. He says, I I traced my way from her clit to her cunt with my tongue. Forgive me, my God, but no communion wine, no salvation had ever tasted sweeter than this. And one taste would not be enough.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Woo! I'm fanning myself right well, now. And
1: there's even the description a little bit later that he kneels behind her like he's praying to her cunt.
0: Yes. And like he's
1: determined to get her off. And uh-huh. it's, oh, I have a fetish, I've That's realized, <laughs> for romance novel heroes who go down on their heroine before they have kissed her ooh yeah it's very specific but when it comes up i'm like fuck yes yeah totally Like he's so overcome with his need to pleasure her that he like all else just falls away mm-hmm. and he gets on his fucking knees and gets yep. her off with his tongue and it's like
0: it's it a is beautiful a specific moment.
1: kind of hero and i'm yeah
0: yeah especially when he's um when he's kind of like beta feminist mm-hmm. i'm just like all over it Just he can come get it anytime he wants, frankly. (laughs) Um, So he starts questioning himself throughout it. And I really like this, too, because we've we've read a couple like for the podcast where the the dude starts questioning himself and like his behavior and then lashes out at the heroine. And in this case... He doesn't even stop. He's just like, this is my problem. This is not a her problem. So I'm going to process this while also making sure she climaxes. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. Well, he looks
1: up and sees the crucifix. He's on his knees, yeah. he's worshiping her cunt and looks up uh-huh. and sees the crucifix and is like, ah, and it just brings it all crashing down. But yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm not going to leave her hanging. Like, No. The, yeah. Father I, well, Bell would
0: never. No. No.
1: <laughs> I will work through this, but once yeah. she's had her orgasm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, so then she's like, no one, oh God, no one has ever gone down on Poppy before. And I've just I, written
1: wrong, wrong, wrong like, in my notes.
0: How could you how could you possibly think about marrying Sterling if he had never once got down on you? I don't understand. I don't Oh no. Oh no. Especially when you're into it. Like it's one thing if you have yeah. if that's a limit for you. Yeah. But oh good lord. But if she she didn't even know. Like I know. Yeah. Oh. Oh it's, my heart breaks. It's so wrong. I and, know. And so and he's like uh, that is a huge shame that no one has ever taken care of you before. But he says it makes him hard as fuck knowing that I was the first man to ever taste you. Ugh, Father Bell. <laughs> Father Bell! You're making the collar so hot. I I didn't know that was a kink of mine, but I guess yes. in
1: certain situations... Oh boy. So then he like tries to, he sort of is like okay, now it's time for me to process this and he tries yeah, to he's flee. Ready to he's bounce. like I'm getting the fuck out of here. And she is like no, don't mm-hmm. you dare. Like mm-hmm. this is two-sided. I don't want mm-hmm. that bullshit. She makes him stay. So he makes her get down on the floor and touch herself. Like <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, she says she cops to the fact that she's been touching herself to him, like with the thought of him. And he says, Show me. And in she immediately drops next- to yeah. the floor.
1: And she, <laughs> like, she, this whole time she's been coming to confession, has been sitting in the booth next to him masturbating. Uh-huh.
0: Like, I'm all um. about it. It's really just excellent. So then he gets down on top of her and he starts um, he starts rocking his erection like into her onto her vulva and clit. And she's like, we don't have to have sex. If it's if we don't have sex, then you're not actually breaking your vows, which again, everyone, (laughs) lie number one. (laughs) This is the first
1: lie they tell themselves. If it's not sex, it doesn't count uh-huh and wait this scene is just like two people who want each other so fucking bad and that yeah. translates to you as the reader you're like just do it like yeah oh, just but that they give won't do it is so sexy and mm-hmm. like that in not doing it they're not just focusing on penis ramming into vagina it's yes. like all the other sensual connection and clit
0: and like Uh what else
1: the body can do and how that can get you off. And that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's so, so is, especially in a a completely heterosexual romance. We don't get that a lot. It's really neat. And it's nice that it's, it is pretty much external conflict. You know, it's not, it's not either of their hangups or anything like that. It's just like, we're working around this, this huge thing that is a conflict Okay, so then, so she comes again, just from, like, vulva clit action. And then she pitches him over, gets on top, and starts riding him in the same way. And she's like, I have to see you come. It's such a huge turn-on to see you come. I want to see it. And he thinks to himself that he wants to marry this woman or collar her or cage her. He wants to own her, make her, take her. Ah, <laughs> Oh, Sierra. Sierra, you are just a queen. And then he does come and she runs her finger through it and puts it in her mouth, right? Like make an eye contact with him. And then she leaves after saying sorry. (laughs) And I was like, that was really conscientious. Poppy, thank you. I love her. She's
1: such a good heroine. She's just this Mm -hmm. like empowered, intelligent. I mean, she's the classic empowered submissive, right? She's not like... Like, so often, like, things that are done poorly in BDSM fiction was something we said we would reference, and so often, it's this, like, dominant male who is, like, exposing this innocent girl to the wonders of BDSM and submission, and she's learning that she likes to be submissive as he exposes her to it, and I love it when it's not that, when it's, like, she comes Mm -hmm. to the table knowing that she likes to be dominated, and, yeah, knowing that those commands turn her on, and is cool with it she's not struggling with like
0: oh this is bad and i'm a naughty right. girl she's like fuck me harder yeah absolutely and there, there are moments later on where he had tra- he's, tra- he tries to apologize for this interaction because yeah. he's like you came to me for help and i took advantage of you and she's like don't you dare yeah i have agency i made these choices i wanted you i still want you yeah these are all of my very empowered choices and i just loved
1: it. Yeah. And she recognizes that if he tries to take responsibility for that, he takes that power away from her. Yes. You know, exactly. like, as long as those were her choices, she has that agency and it's right. empowering. But if it's like, oh, I took advantage of you, then, yeah, she she becomes that woman that he's imagining who's a victim. And she's not yeah. at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so good. Um, OK, so then this then is we where meet we meet Millie. Millie. Yeah, I love her. Me too. I just, I, there are so many times with older side characters, I just want to be them. Millie is one of those people where she's just, she's a straight shooter and yet she always brings casserole. And I feel like that's a really good balance. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. She's got the food and she's down with technology. Like that's mm-hmm. a,
1: she's kind of turning that stereotype on its head. She's the one yeah. who, yeah, can do the spreadsheets and stuff for Father Bell. Yeah, absolutely. But she's too astute. She immediately recognizes that
0: she does, and she, yeah, she she recognizes it without having ever actually met Poppy or seen them interact. She's just like, so I noticed that a sexy woman took over a house that's close by. How do you feel about that? And he's like, no, nothing. I have no feelings. I'm priest, priest, celibate. You know (laughs) all the things. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, "Mm, no, you twenty nine year old guy. And then this is where we learn that uh, one of his very first sermons to this to this absolutely raw and beaten parish is that Catholics should celebrate consensual godly sex because he is the ultimate priest, bay, And he's so sex positive for being like, especially yeah. as a man of the cloth. And um, their conversations ends basically with her being like, hey, if you have a crush, that's natural. Bye, and he's like, uh, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. crush,
1: but also we we had not sex on
0: the floor. Yeah, yeah, we we almost broke my vows. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're still celibate. Don't worry.
0: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But this is one of those scenes where, and there's so many of them. you... Yeah appreciate just how frustrating it is that that vow of celibacy is still part of the priesthood where it's like guys fucking move past it like he has so much potential to do good in his community as a spiritual Mm -hmm. leader and you see Mm -hmm. that and it just makes you realize like how many great priests we could have but they're not going to be celibate they want Yeah, and love and marriage
0: and children. Well, and especially since Father Bell could have all of these things if he just weren't Catholic. Like all, like all of the other religions are are cool with having a a a wife and family or a husband and family in some cases. Okay, so he feels terrible. He's running. He's repenting. He's taking it out on his sexy, sexy abs. And uh, a few days later, Poppy comes back to morning mass. And they speak afterwards. She wants to help with the pancake breakfast, everybody. She wants to get involved. She's nice. She is. She's nice and kind and giving. So after the breakfast, they do the breakfast thing and they speak. And it turns into this really fraught conversation, partially because Sterling has found her again, called her, left a voicemail that was like, I want you to be my whore, basically. So she... She takes it out on him by essentially being like, can I be good and still be a woman? Are you sure that you don't think I'm like, I'm a fallen woman and I'm not capable of goodness or kindness or whatever because I'm a woman? And his internal monologue is like, I was one class short of a women's studies minor. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. But. Because he's the best, he doesn't say that out loud, he just recognizes the ways in which he has made her feel shitty accidentally, and apologizes for it, and then she's like, well, okay, fine, and leaves. Which, of course, leads her to feel terrible Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, and grab a, a handy bottle of scotch and just head over in the rain. In her yeah, she pajamas. Con-
1: conveniently shows up on his doorstep yeah. in the middle of the night, soaking wet in her PJs with a bottle of McAllen 12.
0: That's right. And, you know, the PJs are not only uh, a Walking Dead t-shirt, which, let's recall, is her favor- is his favorite show, but she also sort of forgot to put on a bra. Oops. Oh, no. And so <laughs> he's like, he can't handle himself. And he says... I hadn't seen her breasts yet and they were more tempting than ever under that wet t-shirt. Fuck, I didn't mean yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then we get,
1: be good, be good, be good. I told myself as I approached Mm -hmm. her, don't jump her bones. Don't (laughs)
0: fantasize about fucking her tits. Be a good priest. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about it is delightful. So they sit by the fire and drink scotch. She apologizes for her earlier outburst and everything and she's like, She she explains her feeling really complicated because she still can't stop thinking about him, even though she knows she can't have him. And this is where we have the conversation about him taking advantage of her and her being like, absolutely not. You will not take away my agency. These are all my choices. And she says that she won't bother him again with her body, stands up and goes to leave And he grabs her arm, you guys, and pulls her right back between his legs. And then he just goes straight for the nipple through the Walking Dead shirt, which has to be a particular fantasy of his, you know? Yeah. Like, just just fantasies enacted all over the place. It's great. All right. We've got a naughty quote.
1: Can I read the naughty quote?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
1: So then he says... I shouldn't put you over my lap and spank your ass for being a brazen little slut and coming here without a bra, I growled in her Mm -hmm. ear. I shouldn't twist ropes around your wrists and ankles until your cunt is exposed and then screw you until you can't walk anymore. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't flip you over and fuck your ass until your eyes water. I shouldn't drive you down to the strip club and fuck you in the back room so that you'll forget all about Sterling and the only name you'll remember to say is mine. I lightly bit her nipple again or God's. (laughs) (sighs)
0: Father Bell His dirty talk is so on point It is extraordinary It really, really is So then
1: we get Bing, bing, bing Lie number two Uh Uh-huh Just tonight We'll never do it again
0: Uh Uh-huh Just give me tonight And she's like "Uh Uh-huh, yeah, absolutely Anytime I've cleared my calendar It's great So He gets all commanding. He instructs her in exactly the ways she should um, go down on him. She is more than happy to acquiesce. And then he tells her to go take off her shirt and get up on the counter because he has to feel her. If this is going to be the only night, (laughs) he has to feel at least a, a tiny portion of her pussy. So he gets her up on the counter. Her shirt is off. She's all about it. And then he's like, they start to kiss and she won't give in she's like not kissing him back yeah and he's like he's like oh if i didn't have all of the experience i got in college i wouldn't know what's going on but because i do um he goes through this excellent this awesome example of getting consent to be rough while still being super super hot yeah it's really good um he's just like oh you're you're a bad girl and you um like you you want me to take it from you don't you you want me to force you into it and she's like "Uh Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh do it yeah and then they kiss for the first time this is their first kiss it's so so great so then this is where we get the awesome just the tip action yeah (laughs) We we play a game of just
1: the tip. Or as Father Bell says, one and a half inches of damnation. And all I <laughs> could think about was sinking deeper into hell.
0: Oh, boy. So they both come. And he's like, it's such a huge turn on that I can get her off with just this tiny portion of my penis. Like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the wonders of the whole thing. Oh, oh my gosh. And then... I was imagining, I was expecting her to, like, reach down and stroke the exposed portions of his penis, but she doesn't even have to do that. He is so stoked about, like, being inside a woman for the first time in three years that she leans back, touches herself, and just the tiny contractions around the head of his dick gets it going. And it's fabulous. So when it's over... He walks through the door and then they kiss really sweetly goodbye. And she says that they're going to start tomorrow fresh, clean, and chaste. Of course. That's I did not happen. believe them. Yeah. Because third lie. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She's a
1: dirty, dirty liar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Well, and this is, I made another note that I think Mm. this is another one of my fetishes when two people's kinks just align so beautifully and Mm. they're honest about them. Yes. So it's like she wants it rough and he wants to give it to her that way. And it's Uh that perfect example of like he can say degrading things and it's sexy because it's what she wants and it's like that moment for them, but he doesn't mean it like. He yes he would marry her if he could you know he right. doesn't mean you're a dirty slut and I don't want to marry you he means like you're a dirty slut and I like it and and like, and
0: we're both into it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, absolutely but they're just so
1: they're forthright about their desires and yeah. I like that there's no right, like right. having to tease it out it's he's like do you want this and she's like
0: yeah instead of being mm-hmm. like I don't know right. maybe. Yeah, maybe we can try it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's one thing to be in sync, but it's another thing to be communicative about yeah. that as well. Okay, so we move on. He and Poppy and Millie have lunch together. And um, it was Poppy's idea because she has awesome ideas for the church fundraisers. She's super smart. It's really exciting. Great scene. And then afterwards, she asks him if he can help her pray. Because she's trying to figure out this religion thing and she kind of feels like an idiot when she tries to pray. So later that night, he tells her that they're going to meet up in the sanctuary after all of the Bible groups and stuff. So it's at night. She's standing in these hallowed halls of God with the light hitting her just so. Ah, the light filtering through and the tortured crucifix on the wall and just everybody feels vulnerable. There's something... That can be very sexy about feeling small. Hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things that uh, a sanctuary can evoke in a person. I don't know. It, it It's just this extra layer of vulnerability, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so he finds her already there. And he's like, oh, sh- God is here. She's having a moment with God. She's like, she's softly crying. And he walks up to her and he says that he does the only thing that feels natural, which is to put his arms around her. And she leans back into him. And it is this really gorgeous scene where once... It, oh, actually, here's the perfect quote. Um, he, says, he says that he's wondering if this might be more than friendship and lust. And then he says, Sacred and profane were blending and blurring together, fusing and welding themselves into something new and whole and singular. And if this is what love was, then I didn't know how anyone could bear the weight of it. And then they kiss in this really intimate, amazing way. And the kiss goes on. The kiss is excellent. And he walks her home. And then don't worry, guys. We get an excellent finger banging. Yeah.
1: He's not going to leave her unsatisfied.
0: No. Uh, so he's like, we we should see each other soon. And she says, the earliest I can do is Thursday. <laughs>
1: Which I loved. Well, no, wait. Doesn't she say, like, come on in? And he's like, no. Oh, it's late. I need time for what I have planned. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she's uh-huh. like, all right, I can pencil you in on Thursday.
0: Right. It's the best. And then he's like, well, Thursday's a really long way away. So he turns her around against the garden fence and he gives her an excellent orgasm while talking about how hard it makes him to think about being inside of her. Because that's what's going to happen on Thursday, you guys. Yeah. It's very exciting. He is a generous man with the orgasms. He is. He really is uh, the best kind. And then he realizes in mass the next morning, it like hits him like a ton of bricks that he is fully falling in love with Poppy Danforth.
1: Ah. And I like that he's honest about that. Again, like there isn't this sort of dwelling angsty like, am I or aren't I? He's like, no, I am.
0: Yeah. You mentioned it earlier. All of the guilt and the hand wringing is done in all the right places. Mm -hmm. It never made me pissed off because I'm just like, yeah, all of these are totally reasonable concerns, but he's not being like, no, I'm not in love with Poppy Danforth. He's just be
1: because that's against my vows. He's like, well, fuck, I'm in love with her. What do I do? Like, here's what's at stake. It's in a very sensible, like he's evaluating what's going on, but Mm -hmm. he's being honest about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then it's Thursday. It has been too long. He He is not make it. He can't make it. And so he gives her a little call, a little call on the cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> she realizes that he is touching himself while talking to her. And so she slips off into a room in the club to do the same. So we've got, we've even got some phone sex in a but not it's long sexy distance sexy phone sex. Like, yeah. in real life,
1: phone sex usually doesn't go like this. It's like right. giggling and awkwardness and like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they make phone sex sexy. They're like sending pictures at the same time, which is uh-huh. just impressive.
0: Yeah. How, how many hands do they have? Really? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. So then she's like, I'm Oh, home. here it comes. Oh, here it comes, you guys. <laughs> uh He's like, meet me. I can't have somebody seeing you come to the rectory itself at this time of night. So meet me in the church, everyone. Because that makes way more sense. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late night prayers. Fine. So... She knocks on the door of the front of the church. I'm I'm just imagining these like 25 foot tall doors. I'm sure it's not like that, right? It's <laughs> not like a tiny, like rinky church in Kansas yeah, or something. Yeah. And we're imagining
1: like a cathedral,
0: <laughs> but let us have it, damn
1: it. Yes.
0: <laughs> so he pulls her in, throws her up against the door, and just starts going to town kissing her. And then he realizes that once again, she's not wearing underwear because she got a little messy earlier. It's understandable with all the phone sex. She had to take them off. Yeah. And so he takes her up and he asks her permission if he can be rough and possessive, which I really liked. He's like, I want to, this is the way I want to be with you. Can I be that way? And she's like a thousand times. Yes. Like I can't, I can't be more clear about the fact that I am co-signing on this endeavor. So he takes her up to the front and he puts her over the altar. He says he wanted to take her to her his office, but he can't make, make it. it the minutes that it would take to get there. Like No,
1: that's this too is far. An ejaculate on your calendar kind of situation. Like <laughs> his, <laughs> there's no time.
0: Oh, it's so good. So he
1: ties her up on the altar, right? Using and I can't I don't even know how to pronounce the rope the a, sacred I think ropey it's a thing. Cincture. Yes
0: yeah it's the cincture that goes around his waist, which symbolizes celibacy and self-denial, and I loved that juxtaposition so much, so he ties her up and spanks her, yeah because because he says that um while you know obviously her genitalia is her own, he's taking it tonight and making it his, so being underwearless in such a short dress is something that he takes issue with. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, it works. Yes. And then he fucks her on the altar, Uh as we have been promised since the prologue. She delivers. Absolutely. And I really did like that he turned her around. At first, it starts with like her in, he could jump right into doggy but he's just like no we're i'm going to be fully naked. Oh, Father Bell likes to be kind of clothed because he oh, likes yeah. the power dynamic of having a super naked lady and having his uh, body mostly covered. And this time he's like, "Fuck! I'm breaking my vows for the first time in three years. I am going to experience everything." <laughs> I think he actually says, "I'm going to gift her with my nakedness." And I was he like, does. "Yeah, give it to her. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Let There's her see a- those abs." Mm-hmm. I'll put it on my Christmas list, frankly. Yes. So they have sex in the alt, on the altar, in the sanctuary, and he, the whole time he's still calling her lamb. That's his favorite go-to. Uh, nickname for her he says that she's a bad lamb at some points man and side note if
1: you want to join sierra simone's like cult following they prefer Ooh. to themselves as the lambs so Ooh! like the facebook group is sierra simone's lambs
0: oh yep i'm writing that down right now yeah. Simone's lambs because that is one i am not a part of yet and i will remedy that immediately yes so yeah really 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 good sex scene There's one part of this sex scene that I have to read. Right toward the end, he says, Excruciatingly, I came. Every pulse of my dick was like a pulse of the soul, and every muscle tightening and contracting was like a punch to the gut. And I was so bare with this woman in every way my nerves flayed raw and my heart wide open, and my eternal soul right alongside my bruising hips and thrusting dick and the cum that was now spilling everywhere, leaking onto the white altar cloth. And yes, this is why the church wanted marriage and sex to go hand in hand, because I felt as married to her right now as a man could be married to a woman. Oh, and so and this is what is so amazing about this book is that it takes the sacred and the profane, it meshes them together, and then it makes it, it elevates it to this level that is just astounding. Yeah. And at the start, I think there's like a warning um near the dedication yeah. that's like <laughs> there is there is sacrilege. Yeah, there is blasphemy. Get ready because this is all gonna happen. And boy.
1: Yeah, it's oh. so. Sarah makes the point that, like, I was Catholic for a long time. I'm not Catholic yeah. anymore. I didn't set out to write this to be sacrilegious. Like, I'm not being taboo for the sake of being taboo. Right. But it is, you're almost sketching this glimpse of how she views spirituality and how it goes yeah. beyond those rules and how this love and passion and sex between two people who love each other that much. Mm-hmm is sacred and yes like has that level of power as a religious experience absolutely and it's just like it hits you so hard when you're reading it because and it takes you on this emotional roller coaster because you're like i'm so turned on but like fuck that's powerful and like yeah it just you're muddled and into mm-hmm. it yeah mm-hmm.
0: absolutely yeah it takes it to a level that is just amazing you know because it, I think it, ele- it elevates not only the sex, but it also elevates the romance. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So then, um, afterward, he always he's always cleaning her up. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. He's he always just like, oh, Yeah, let me deal with my mess.
1: And she's mm-hmm. like, No, let me eat it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. It's so not here, guys. She doesn't do it here. <laughs> yeah. She not doesn't this kill time. The moment, but yeah. Not this time. Um, but yeah, he cleans her up and then you're, yeah, they go back to, I think, his. His house, her house, they go back to somebody's house. And they connect in a way that is just beautiful. Yeah. So he, I think, reveals... She comments
1: on how... It's his house. Because she comments on how clean it is. And mm-hmm. you don't... It It's those innocuous comments sometimes with people where, like, you don't... You're like, oh, you're so clean. Ha, ha, ha. And then it's like, I'm clean because the garage was really dirty when my sister killed herself. And... Yeah. I got dirty and I touched her face when I was trying to take her down and there were oil smears and my mother was upset about it. And you know, when they took her body away, there was still dirt from my hands and now I just have this. And it's like, fuck. Like if you're the person who's made that comment, you're like, Oh, I I didn't know what nerve I was touching on. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, I think when you've been hit by that kind of tragedy, there's like landmines everywhere yeah and no one knows when they're going to like and it's not their fault and you would never hold it against them but mm-hmm. you just hit on stuff like that
0: yeah yeah so they they talk a lot about that um they both open up to each other about their own sort of baggage and so they connect there and this
1: is the like body and soul like this is where it's going mm. beyond it's not just lust it's not just passion they really connect on like an academic level. And but this is that like deep emotional connection. They're being as raw and vulnerable with each other as two people can be mm-hmm. in every way that it's possible to be. And it's like she checks all of those boxes for you. Yeah, definitely.
0: And this is also where we find out that the reason his love of Brittany comes from his sister. Oh, she was yeah. always, she was always sort of Rick rolling them with Brittany <laughs> when she would drive their cars. <laughs> and right after, like on the way to the funeral, they drove his brother's car for the first time. And so they're going to mourn their sister, turn on the car and Brittany just starts blasting out of the radio. And, uh, Oh, I can, I, uh, I can, I have moments like that in my own life in my own mourning, And it's, it's sort of this transcendent experience that I, I love the way that he owns it throughout the rest of his life. He he sort of celebrates it and uses it as a uses it as a motivation, just as much as he uses her death as a motivation for his career path, and his overall you know passion for religion. Yeah, so, and then she also talks about Sterling a bit. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes is that it didn't work out with Sterling because he can't differentiate between the two, the bedroom and real life.
1: Yeah, she understands it. Like, at least she yes. gets it. And again, she yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. internalize Sterling's bullshit as much as she could have. She could have been like, "Yeah, I'm a dirty slut and this is all I'm good for, so that's what I'm going to do with my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not worthy or... Yeah, I'm not worth this kind of healthy love. And instead, she rejects it and is like, no, I see that bullshit for what it is. Mm -hmm. I am better than this. Like, fuck you. Yeah. And that makes me love her even more. Same. Because you know it had to hit home. Like, she's not above it. She can't possibly have heard those things from someone that she loved and was her first everything. Yeah. And just walked away unscathed. But she is strong enough to be like, oh, this hurts, but...
0: Yeah, this hurts, it. but it's not going to define me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to accept his ascribed definitions of me, that fuckhole.
1: So they bear body and soul and then they have the what are we doing moment that, you know, yeah. has been coming. Like, mm-hmm. we acknowledge this for what it is, but what the fuck are we doing? Like, how does yeah. this have a happy ending?
0: Well, and they basically come to the conclusion that they don't know what they're doing, but they also don't want to stop. And that's where we spend a good like next third of the book, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Is just like them living everyday life, trying to be trying to be the people they're supposed to be in public, yeah. but then spending every night in one or the other's bed. And you could
1: see where you would fall into that of like, yeah, you could get away with this. Like, we're oh, going to yeah. secretly have this relationship. I'm still going to be this upstanding figure in the community. She's going to have her thing going on. Everything's going to be fine, right? Like, we can just do this yeah. indefinitely and never have to actually deal with it. So yeah, you're right. There right. is... The next number of chapters, there's that, but there's also...
0: Yeah, yeah, tell me.
1: Well, so we go back to confession. Yes. And she confesses, this time, things about him. So she's, like, basically dirty talking her confessions of, like, Uh what he makes her feel and, you know, touching herself and how she's been touching herself, thinking about him since she saw the picture of him on the internet. Uh And now we get butt sex
0: yeah yeah we do
1: we get to let me put it in your ass poppy yeah i want to fuck you there and she goes oh god yes please
0: (laughs) yeah and then she's like she's like i will say that i've i've never i'm a little nervous because i've never done this with anyone as big as you before which what man doesn't want to hear that First of all, that's yes. But then second of all, that's also a very real concern. <laughs> like, yeah. You should definitely tell your partners that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So I
1: have this very complicated relationship with butt sex. And uh. so I think it's like the hottest thing ever to read about it. I write about it all the time. I write erotica for Penthouse. So mm-hmm. butt sex features prominently in that <laughs> erotica. I have not ever had full blown butt sex. Interesting. I, have not, I am an anal virgin because I don't know. I like the idea of it, but a dick in the ass is just like too much for me. It like yeah hurts, and I can't handle it, and I'm like not here for it. So my role with my partners was always I would let them fuck me in the ass when they took a comparably sized dildo in the ass first.
0: I think that's perfectly fair, honestly. I was like, fair, you can do
1: this if you can take it, and you're cool with it, mm-hmm. and, like, you know what it feels like when you're doing it. Like, if that's what you right. want me to take, you're going to take it first, and somehow I'm still an anal virgin.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting. And, and I, I think like it's a way- good
1: rule. It's like, you should have that empathy of, like, some people are really into it, and, like, I mm-hmm. have fucked many people in the ass. Like, I've been on right. the other end of it, and, like, people love it, but you mm-hmm. should know what it feels like and there's no reason that you can't. Like, don't give me that it's gay bullshit. Like,
0: no, no, we don't like homophobes up in here. Yeah. And frankly, like, uh, the male prostate is a, is a very pleasurable thing to, um to best with. Yeah. So, you know, it could work out really well. I think the problem with anal as far as like the, the population at large is concerned is that people treat it like they would vaginal sex 30 sessions in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when a a woman is like working through the first stages of having vaginal sex for the first time, there's a lot of times when people don't come for like 12 times or whatever it is, and it always hurts the first time. And we forget about that stage in our lives. And then when you compound that with the fact that anal sex needs to be treated that way every time, no matter how many times you've had it. And like you should start really slow. You should start with small things. You should start with a lot of lube. You, like it, it is a process and people don't, people want the porn experience. Yeah, that's exactly what they I was going to say. Men want,
1: see like, oh, you've done it before. This porn star has done it before. Yeah. And they don't see the warm up that goes into the porn star right like what's exactly. happening off camera she's not just bending over and taking it like no. there's a whole process and lots of lube that you're not seeing and lube yes. that you are seeing
0: and yes yeah yeah there's a whole staff of fluffers that have been helping out like before they hit record you guys it's not you can't you can't go from zero to full dick in the ass yeah. you can't do it it's rude yeah. It's hurtful. It's not
1: okay. <laughs> so Father Bell knows this. He knows yeah. that he needs lube, but mm-hmm. he's not prepared. He didn't They're plan his for office. It. You guys, like, what what's is... he gonna do? He even says oh, no. there's no time to think the logistics through or to consider <laughs> relocating to a more prepared place. What is a priest to do when he wants to fuck someone in the ass and <laughs> is not prepared?
0: Well, I think I think there might be a whole cabinet of oh. uh Of holy oils. Mm, You're right.
1: (laughs) Sometimes they need to bless things with holy oil.
0: They do. So he's got some lube on hand. (laughs) So he's like, hold that thought. I'll be right back. He takes a little walk down the the corridor to the cabinet of sacred oils and brings back exactly what they need. (laughs) And she is so blessed. (laughs) And
1: I think he explains like it's the oil that they use if there's like a new part of the church that they're building or Mm -hmm. like they use it to sanctify a space. So her ass is getting blessed, guys. And there's another moment that I love where like he's come back with the oil. She's like on all fours. She's going to take it in the ass. Mm -hmm. And he goes to take his collar off. And she's like, leave it on.
0: Yep. And he he goes, my dick surged, dirty girl.
1: (laughs) And like, if you're going to (sighs) get fucked in the ass by a hot priest in his office with the holy oil, like, yeah, you want him to leave his collar on. Like, why would he even think about taking it off? He's going to kill the fantasy.
0: He is. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't even think about it, Father Bell. And he, he says... I'm anointing you now. I informed her. I'm saying I'm sanctifying you from the inside out. Do you feel that? That's my finger fucking your ass. And in just a minute, it'll be my cock. It'll be my cock consecrating you. No, don't touch yourself, sweetheart. We're going to get there together. <laughs> it is And he somehow just astounding. manages to say
1: things like this. And it's hot and you take it seriously. Like, if you, uh-huh. out of context, say the, like, I'm sanctifying you from the inside out, you would be like, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But oh, when yeah. he does it, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you are.
0: <laughs> All of my antennas go up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ladywood.
0: Man, it is great. And then, um, oh, and then I love that she turns the tables at the very end because he pulls out of her to, um, to come on her back. And then right afterwards, she says, clean me up, she commanded, like the little queen she was, and I rushed to obey.
1: (laughs) And that, yeah, another perfect example of, like, he is a dom in the ways that a male dom should be. And in so many ways, a male dom or a female dom, it is like they are serving the submissive. They're doing these things because it pleases the sub. And in that way, the power dynamic is skewed. And people who don't have any exposure to BDSM so often misunderstand that. In fact, I got called out on that on TV once in a TV interview on The Doctors. Really? One of the, the doctory people whose names I don't know and should was like, oh, but, you know, isn't this wrong? The power dynamic is all in favor of the dominant. And I had to be like, no, it's not at yeah. all. Like you have just exposed yourself as being totally ignorant because it's yeah. not. You are serving your submissive. And in doing so, like they have a sort of mastery over you
0: hmm so yeah absolutely father
1: bell is classic that like he's yeah such a great example
0: yeah absolutely and good bdsm at least when you start is scripted you go through exactly what each of you is intending to do right and you like set the scene and you negotiate limits before or like you negotiate preferences and stuff like that so that it may you can maintain a safe space yeah all right
1: all right so He's he's fucked her in in all the holes now,
0: yeah. That's right. Yes, he. Has. She is
1: sanctified. They are kind of just trying to live the lie. And there's this moment where he's got his sister's rosary. Yeah, and like that's the rosary that he uses. And he has this realization that like she and her death are this driving force in his life and this weight that he carries around. And he's always trying to kind of avenge that. Wrong, I think is how he puts it like Mm -hmm. his life is constructed around this weird kind of vengeance where like he's going to right that wrong. And he realizes that maybe there's something more powerful there in that. Like, what if he chose love instead? Yeah. And he even says like, wasn't that what Christians were called to do after all choose love above all else. Mm -hmm. And he says, love. The word was a bomb an unexploded bomb living inside my chest. And so he texts Poppy and he wants to give her the rosary Mm
0: -hmm. and that
1: like he feels so strongly for this woman that he wants to give her this symbol of his sister and it has so it's what he prays with and it just there's so much power there. Yeah. And so much symbolism and she's wrapping in these layers of religion and it's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah it makes me cry just thinking about it honestly. And even then even though they're he's going over there to do this monumental thing the whole scene starts out with them being really cute with each other and her being like jeans and a t-shirt you're a person. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and you know they talk about whether or not they're dating and like all of the all of the weird questions that are are awkward sometimes just on a, on the regular. But then when you add the collar to yeah. it, it's like I don't I don't know how to navigate this and it's it's just wonderful. So, yeah, he gives her the um he walks through her house and he's just loving her mind, looking at her books and all the the various things she has all over her house. And then gives her the the rosary and doesn't she doesn't she say at first that she can't accept it yeah because it's too much yeah, yeah. and they joke about him da- her dancing for him yeah and i love that that was an excellent plant for what is to come yeah so the end of that
1: chapter is like he is just totally smitten and you yeah. get like this is love i thought dizzily oh. wondrously this is what laying down a cross feels like this is what taking up a new life feels like it feels like poppy danforth Uh, And he says the final words of the rosary. And he says, I almost forgot whom I was praying to. Hail, Holy Queen, our sweetness and our hope. uh, God damn it, Sierra.
0: Oh, it is so, so good. So then he's like, all right, I still need to be a priest, though. So I'm going to go and I'm going to confess because that is what I have been taught is the next thing you do. So he goes down to his usual confessor, the guy who was his roommate in seminary school. And he's one of these, like, ultra holy dudes who just lives on a different plane of existence. And he's incredibly insightful. And I don't know. He seems like a mythical creature to me. I'm into it.
1: I want I so I read Priest first and then I knew that Sinner was the next book. And I desperately wanted it to be about Jordan. No. I was like <laughs> I I need this again and I need to see yeah. like what brings him to his knees. Yeah. And it's not what happens, but it's Mm-mm. he is this really interesting character. Again, with the yeah. really good side characters.
0: Yeah, really really good side characters. But he refuses to accept this guy's confession. He's just like, "No, I'm not going to hear a confession." And Father Bell's like, "What the fuck, dude? I thought we were pals." <laughs> and he's like, "I will hear your confession." When you are actually repentant and you're going to stop, because I can see all over your face right now that you are not prepared to stop. And Father Bell's like, "Well, God damn it, you're not wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> It is so excellent. So he's like, all right, well, I definitely, I definitely am not. And then the next chapter opens with, a week later, I stared up at Poppy's ceiling.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this is they're like trying to just live the lie.
0: Mm -hmm. But it comes
1: to a head and she's like, I don't know how long I can do this for. Like, this isn't going to work forever. Like, what are we doing?
0: Well, and she feels terrible because she knows how good he is at his vocation and she knows how passionate he is about it. And you can see, like, even though none of it is from her perspective, I still felt the layers of guilt and responsibility that she feels just through their dialogue. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Like, the writing in this is so, so
1: good. Well, she recognizes what's at stake, too, she's not assuming that what they have takes precedence over his religious life. And she makes that distinction. Like, she says, even if I made you, I could never hate you, is what he says. And she says, even if I made you choose between me and your God. And he's like, fuck. Like, when you put it like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then
1: Millie busts them.
0: Millie busts them. You're so right. He's sneaking out of her little cabinsies one morning and making his early morning trek from her house back to the rectory. And I love Millie, too, because she's just like she she's already sitting in his living room. And so it's that classic like a mob boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's just a geriatric gargoyle sitting on his couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, what's what's going on? Just for a run, I was doing things that are no, not with my penis. And, she, and she's like, so I know that you don't know this about me because you are a person who sleeps in. I am not a person who sleeps in. I take a walk every morning. Did you know that, Father Bell? I've been walking around here quite a bit lately in the morning, Father Bell. And I've seen quite a few little excursions. <laughs> That can only be explained by sexy times. <laughs> he's basically like, don't tell the bishop, right? Like, please don't tell the bishop. Yeah.
1: When he's like, we'll be careful. He's like, I'm so ashamed, but like, we've been careful. And she's like, careful. Like, you can say that. And then she explains, yeah. like, there's a reason I came to you instead of just running and tattling on the bishop. Yeah. And she says, like, this town needs you, and it doesn't need Mm -hmm. another scandal, and you're going to rip open all these old wounds, and, like, what are you doing, bro?
0: Right. Well, and, and Millie, I love the fact that she is direct and harsh, but she's also very loving, and she's also like, I don't necessarily think what you are doing is wrong. Right. I just think that you need to clean up whatever circumstances in your life to make it okay if this is something that you want. Right.
1: Yeah, she's like, choose. You can't have both. Like, I can't make the decision for you. I'm, you know, but, like, this, like, fantasy land you're living in doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then we are at mass. There's a dude who walks in who is a tiny bit shorter than Tyler, but, like, also in really good shape and in very expensive suit. And he seems like there's a little bit of a molecular connection between them where he's like, I don't think this is good. And guys, it's Sterling. Yeah. Sterling has come to town.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: And Sterling hands over a manila envelope that is appropriately ominous. Tyler opens it up and it's a, thank goodness it's not like a picture of them fully boning. It's just a picture of him like kissing her neck or something like that. And he has obviously... Had a private inve- investigator following Poppy. And I love, I love that Tyler's first response is not like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. It's like, hold on. You've been stalking Poppy? Yeah. Because that's not an okay move, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and Sterling can't see what, that he can't see the the distinction there and why it would not be okay. And so Sterling's basically like, leave her alone so that she'll come be my mistress or I out you. And Tyler is not impressed. So Tyler goes in. or Yeah, Tyler now. He's no longer a father bell to us. He is firmly Tyler. Yes. He starts going through this. I mean, he's he's freaking out. He's panicking.
1: Understandably so. Yeah. Like Millie knowing is one thing. Sterling having photographic evidence and an agenda is another thing entirely.
0: Absolutely. So he spends a lot of time pacing, doing all of this. This was a moment where I was like my natural inclination would be to call my co-conspirator or text my co-conspirator and be like, fuck, what's going to happen? Yeah. And that is not his response. No. He's just like quietly stewing. It was something I could not identify with.
1: <laughs> it was very priestly or like monkish where like he quite. internalizes
0: where, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I need <sighs> to talk to you right now. Yeah, yeah. So then when he finally does text her, he gets no response whatsoever. And he's just like, this is weird. She always responds. Like, we're really good about this with each other. And then he thinks to himself, oh, of course, Sterling would have gone from me to her. It's not a long walk. Like, why didn't I think of that? So she's not responding. And then later on in the night, he gets a text from Sterling that is a picture of her in the back of, like, a town car or a limo or something fancy. And Tyler basically thinks that she has accepted at that point. Mm-hmm. So he goes into his, an extra layer of, of tailspin. He's always talking about his, his Irish roots and how there's, there's God and then there's being Irish. <laughs> totally. And so he starts just mainlining whiskey and pumping iron, Because why wouldn't he, frankly?
1: What else is a panicking priest to do?
0: Great idea, Father Rappel. Yeah. (laughs) Um.
1: I love, side note, he is drinking McAllen 12, is like a a thing in this book. That's Mm -hmm. what she brings over when she's dripping wet and whatever. And yeah. I hung out with Sierra uh, in Denver and she ordered Macallan 12 at the bar. And I was like, yes, like, ah, I don't like your taste in whiskey, but this feels very authentic right now. Like, I absolutely it, it was the right experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't join you, but I will admire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he so he does this like essentially all night. He barely sleeps. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just I mean, I think he's like he basically passes out like he drinks. I think he says four fingers of McAllen 12 and goes to bed like he just wears himself out in every way he can and passes the fuck Mm -hmm. out and wakes up and she still hasn't called or texted.
0: Right. Anyway, she shows up
1: wearing the same clothes that she was wearing in the picture that he got from the night before.
0: From the night before. And he's like. Oh man, he's been doing drunk push ups. I tried to do drunk yoga one time. I got I got drunk and I was younger and I was like, man, you know what? It sounds like the best thing in the world. Like we'll just heighten my experience is like some yoga's Oh, man! Did I fall all the way over? Yeah, just immediately. I don't it's a terrible I don't know if it's idea. a man
1: thing. I had an ex-boyfriend who loved to get either drunk or high and like go run marathons or like he did like crazy exercises. like he would get Whoa. drunk and go do a triathlon, and I was like, you are a crazy person. So wow. maybe it's a man thing that because that's maybe. not gonna work for me
0: no there's there's nothing I want to do less than than work out, frankly, when I'm drunk. okay, so. Uh, she shows up and she immediately is just like oh my god like you're not okay what's what's going on and uh she pulls his sweaty face to her and and starts kissing her and he says the moment her lips touched touched me everything flared up and burned away like so much flash paper thrown into the air <laughs> and so they it starts really sweet and then all of a sudden he remembers the feeling of betrayal that he's been battling with because not only was she with Sterling, but he got no explanation whatsoever and he doesn't know what's been going on, but he's trying, he's been trying not to think the worst and really like wants to give into this urge to punish her, like give her, give her a punishment fuck. And he's just about to do that. And then he almost does something that's worse. Which is completely pull back. Yeah, because he says, um, he says, my jealousy and perhaps my conscience, which was beaten and gagged, but still not ready to let me fuck a woman drunk and in anger. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. And he's like,
1: it, it was a dick move to stop, but it was even worse to touch her with the kind of feelings I had inside me. Like, he knows yeah. that this is not the right headspace to be doing these things
0: yeah 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 yeah. but he still can't help it and he um she says like like because he pulls back and he starts jacking off and she's like don't do this tyler like i want you to fuck me and he's like turn around you're going to be my sex object right now and so she does and and oh man he battles himself he's like mckellen tyler thought um thought yeah well boo fucking who mccallan tyler thought and good guy tyler winced <laughs> but no no she would atone somehow so then basically she's just like you're seriously in a place after all that's done she puts him in the shower and then she puts him to bed and she's like we will talk when you're better like go the fuck to sleep and tucks him in he does and then when he wakes up, she is in a different outfit because she's she, and he's and I love this because he's like, you left. How could you? Leave? Yeah, you left me. <laughs> um, And she gets all bossy. It's so good. Yeah, she calls um, him on his bullshit because
1: mm-hmm, he's like, mm-hmm. I feel like shit. And she's like, because of the booze or because of the way you acted?
0: Yeah, it's excellent. And then
1: she wants to take him
0: somewhere. Yeah, she wants to go on a date. So she's like, it's not going to be fancy. Just like, let's go. Um, And then she takes him down to the club. He gets to see the infamous strip club. She takes him into a back room because she like her boss. She still works for the club as um, as like behind the scenes from home. She's like their money manager and everything. Because um, he realized that one of his employees already had an MBA, and he's a very smart businessman, <laughs> so he transitioned <laughs> her.
1: <laughs> you have more value um, to me here.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, and it, it, she wanted to get out of the the strip club anyway, so it was like perfect for both of them. So she takes him back, and she takes him to a back room, and she comes out in all of her stripper finery. She's got. You know, um, translucent bras and panties on. She's got this blue wig on that she references wearing when Sterling came to the club. And I really liked that, too. Yeah. I was really glad that it didn't squeak him out. And then she's like, I want to play a game. And she hands him literally thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, tonight, you're the client. I'm the dancer. Let's do this. And there is this fabulous scene where he pays for different acts. And he's like, well, I know that I'm not supposed to touch you. And she's like, well, you could pay for it. And then he's like, I know that you're not supposed to touch me. And you certainly aren't supposed to go down on me. And she goes, well, if you have some more money, and <laughs> it gets real. It gets real good. And there's this gorgeous moment at the end where he is still battling himself. Because he realizes that he's still not emotionally prepared to be kind or gentle or anything. And she, he's really worried about her and her reaction. And she takes the reins and she's like, Tyler, I brought you here in order to have this catharsis. I want you to punish me. I am giving you permission to act out those feelings in a really safe way so that we can move past it. Like, I know that even though you're a wonderful man and you're a priest and you're a feminist, there is still a part of you that needs to reclaim me. So why don't we do that? And and oh, it's hot. Oh. Like,
1: handled oh. the wrong way, that would just be like, ugh, ugh yes. yuck. Like, no, that's not okay. But this way it is. It's like she's giving him power, but in doing so, taking her own power. And it's... Yes.
0: Well, and especially since through his inner monologue, you see how much respect he has for her overall. He's like, here I was thinking I needed to protect this woman from me. And yet she had the the emotional control all the time. Like she she was taking care of me and I should allow that. Like it's gorgeous. Jesus, it's so fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And then it's (sighs)
1: hot. Like oh, and when he does, like go for it, and is like making her pick up money with her mouth, but makes her take her panties off first. And he's
0: got her on a leash that used to be a scarf. Like, ho-ho-ho-ho. it is excellent work, and that is like the that's the way they get over that hurdle. After all of that, he basically comes to the conclusion that he's going to choose Poppy, and. Uh, There's this moment in a sermon. He had this whole sermon prepared that was on like, I don't know, I think it was like the vices of the flesh or something very Catholic, very traditionally Catholic, I should say. And he throws it all out and he's like, I want us to choose love, I think is the basis of his sermon. Yeah, exactly. And his whole plan is to immediately call his bishop and resign right afterwards. So Poppy's in the... In the hall, she's hearing this sermon, and she's actually got like kind of this panicked, worried look on her face throughout, like this very sort of concerned look, because she can't parse what he's saying. And I love that because I didn't understand it at first. And then later on, it's just the most beautiful plant. So, yeah, he tries to find her after Mass and it doesn't work. Well, he wants to
1: propose. Yeah. And he's worried because he doesn't have a ring. Is this, like, thing that he's getting really worked up about and that, like, yeah. he doesn't have a ring and he's worried, and but he knows that she's going to think it's funny that he's worried and yeah. doesn't have a ring. And
0: Well, wait. And right before that, he does call his bishop and he's like, I have to. He didn't get a hold of him. So he leaves a voicemail, mm. quitting. Yeah. Resigning completely. And then he's walking over to Poppy's house um without the ring. What does he bring instead? Flowers. Flowers. It's so sweet. Yeah.
1: He picks so them he himself. Quit his
0: job? Uh-huh. He gets some wildflowers for her and he's going to go propose, but something seems a little off. Something's not quite right.
1: He like goes into the house.
0: Yeah, he lets himself into the house and He can't like everything seems really silent as if she's not there, but there's still this weird like this disruption of energy in the air and he makes it all the way back to her bedroom when he hears a man's voice and then realizes that it is Sterling's voice. And Poppy's laugh,
1: not any laugh, Uh but like her sexy sort of nervous laugh,
0: right? Her we might we might do sexy times right now laugh. And then he watches Sterling say, come on, Poppy, you know you want it. And then they kiss. And he just drops the flowers and bounces. He does not know what to do with himself. So then an odd series of events happens in his mind because he leaves. He goes back to his confessor realizing that he now has nothing. He doesn't have a job anymore. He doesn't have Poppy anymore. He doesn't know what what is going to happen. But he's utterly and completely lost. And then when he he works through it with Jordan, and Jordan's like, well, I think that if you were to repent and decide to stay, they would still have you. Like, you can rescind your resignation and atone. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a long road, but you can get there. And that's where he starts from. He's like, yes, I should absolutely do that. But then... Bishop, his bishop calls, and his bishop is like, There's a thing that happened. It's huge. It's all over social media. There are pictures of you with a woman. Yikes. And so now he kind of has no choice. He thinks that they're going to out and out fire him, and he asks the bishop, like, if there are any alternatives. And the bishop's like, I mean, there's a possibility that we could still have you at the church. It's going to be a lot more atonement than there already was going to be. But we could probably make it happen if that's what you want. But it has to be what you want. Yeah. And so he does some soul searching and he realizes that it's not anymore. He wants to be doing anything else. He wants to be in Kenya digging wells or helping at homeless shelters or whatever, but he he can't go back to the same parish right near Poppy and right near her house, whether or not she is there anymore.
1: Well, and it's this important thing that happens, and it's such a horrible dark moment for him, and you just feel Mm. for him, like this sequence of events where he loses everything. Yeah. But you realize later that this has to happen because he can't give up the church for her. Yep like, that would always be hanging over their relationship. So, yep. like, he has to come to that conclusion outside of Poppy. And the yep. only way for that to happen is this way. And I thought that was clever. Like, it needed to be in the plot, but I, I don't know if I would have recognized that writing it. Like, Yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, it speaks to Sierra's power as a storyteller. That Like, she knows she has to take you to this place at the end. Like, we know we're getting a happily ever after, but it can't happen because of Poppy like he can't lose those yes. things because like i mean he does but he has to make yeah. that choice on his own even if he doesn't get
0: her exactly and and that is so essentially in a nutshell he spends the next 7 months um doing various things like he he spends a long time in sort of mourning and working through everything then he goes to africa for a while to do some missionary work and to build schools and stuff i think and then comes back because he gets into graduate school and and he's really making a life for himself outside of poppy. And then he realizes he found out a while ago that she left the rosary at the club with his name on it so that he could get it back somehow. And it is killing him that she doesn't have his sister's rosary because he gave it to her no matter what. And it's a source of comfort. It's been a source of comfort for him that he still wants her to have whether or not she's with Sterling, because he thinks that she chose Sterling. She he thinks that he is now, she is now Sterling's mistress. And so he decides that before he can start PhD, he needs to find her. And he does. He finds her via Sterling. He meets up with Sterling and uh finds out that the reason the social media pictures were out there is because Sterling was soundly rejected by Poppy right after she kissed him. And he made good on his threat. So now he's just utterly baffled because he can't figure out why they're not together if she didn't choose Sterling. And I thought that was so powerful because it really was Poppy asserting her own not just boundaries, but like the way she wants to organize her life. She could not be in a relationship with him where she always wondered if she took something from him. Right.
1: It's the flip side of what we were saying with him where like, yeah, it, yeah she just couldn't live with that. And
0: Right. And it's gorgeous. So he finds her, he finds her in a church, comes up behind her and he, he uses little lamb or my lamb, which is how she just, her whole body stills. And she's like, I can't believe you're here. So there's this reconnection moment in the church where she says, I saw you coming. I I had a feeling you were there to choose me and I needed you not to choose me. I needed you not to lose the church because of me. And so I pushed you away and I decided that you were better off without me. You could still be of service to your parish and you could still do God's work and I would find a way to be happy. And... He's like, well, that's just never gonna happen <laughs> because I love you so much. And he proposes right there. And it's incredible. Yeah.
1: It's the payoff. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. Yeah. It's such a like sexy emotional, spiritual like, deep book that Mm -hmm. it could be at its surface, like, oh, it's a naughty priest. And that's what drew me in. I was like, yeah, I'm here for the naughty Dom priest. Totally. And then (laughs) you just get slapped in the face with something bigger and deeper than that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, again, like, Sierra's power as a writer. Like, she... Right. That's what she brings to the table. Every book she writes, it's like, at its surface, it would... It should be something, and she makes it something else, something, like, deeper and that haunts you and sticks with you after you've read it
0: yeah yeah absolutely sinner is all about the second brother who is um who's like a you know a bad boy kind of dude but then he meets a um or re-meets a i think they're called postulates she's going to she's she's on her way to being a nun yeah and she's like, I need to find out if I'm missing anything. So teach me yeah. if I'm missing anything. I need to do some experimentation. Test and my desire. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it goes from there. It's so, so good. So yeah, all the stars, highly recommend. Yeah. Enjoyed enjoyed my face off with this book um, and cried. Sinner also made me cry hardcore Yeah. Um, in other ways. Like, it's so, so good. Um. Yeah. So so yeah jenny this is the portion of the show where we do a self-love recommendation (laughs) and that can be as uh as literal or not as you (laughs) can (laughs) right
1: so vibrators no um yeah i had been stressing about this because i was like fuck what am i gonna recommend that like I'm Mm. in this weird place in my life where I was like, I don't want to just give like a mommy recommendation or, Mm. you know, like things that make my life easier as a parent. So I'm actually, I love, there is, you should maybe give yours because I thought I had it up. There is a, a fellow reader who makes this handmade jewelry that has like lines from all of our favorite books in them, like those lines that just like stick with you. And Ooh. there's it's such cool jewelry, and I'm trying to remember what her actual company is called. So you give your lady love while I look this up.
0: Okay. All right. Um, let me think. This is awkward because I am I never record episodes this far in advance. Mm. So I wanna talk about Ember leaving, but that's not gonna be applicable. Yeah. Okay, you know what? It's cold. And I'm going to give a really, really simple one this time, but I use a French press when I make coffee and my favorite thing to do in like the fall and winter is to add cinnamon directly to the French press when I'm, yeah, like directly to the grounds when I'm making coffee and it, cause it does this thing where like, unlike adding cinnamon directly to your coffee afterwards, a lot of time that clumps up. But with the like putting it in the French press, it all it never clumps up. And if it does, the clumps get pushed all the way to the bottom. So you just have this beautiful cinnamon essence to your coffee that doesn't make you um, cough sometimes because it's just clump of cinnamon. I love that. That's such a
1: simple thing that I would not have thought about.
0: That is my current lady love. Sometimes nutmeg is fun to play with, too. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mine is, there is a woman named Terry Ellenberg, and she she's like an avid reader, I'd met her on the internet through one of our book groups for a series that I'm obsessed with and she makes jewelry and her company is called So Beautifully Broken Jewelry and you can find it she's got like a Facebook group where she does weekly sales but then I think she's also on like Etsy and has a website and whatever and so it's this gorgeous handmade. she like reuses materials like old license plates and coins and whatever but she also does like those lines from books that just like hit you in the gut or like I'm Ooh. looking on her page. There's a pendant that says we're the granddaughters of the witches. You weren't able to burn or like, you know, oh, just those, like deeply powerful lines and symbols and whatever. And it just, it's like really Love cool it. stuff and she's awesome. So that is my like plug uh, a cool reader, but also just like awesome jewelry and Cool gifts for like readers or people where you're like I don't know what the fuck to get them and it's yeah like yeah
0: and it's beautifully broken jewelry
1: mm-hmm. so beautifully broken all right and Terry Ellenberg is her name
0: all right perfect wow this has been the oh, most fun yeah it's like it makes me so happy that we actually got to connect thank you well I love
1: like when I'm listening it's and. Um, Andy Christopher said this about our show once. She's like, it's like listening to a really great conversation with tape over my mouth. Like I always ah! want to be able to jump in. Like you or Erin will say something and I'm like, ah, but I have something. Like I want to say it mm-hmm. too. And this time I finally got to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks Absolutely. HBs for having me. And oh, so, may I say that your Facebook group is a, the cult is a lovely, pleasant place to be. And I love Ooh. you guys. And I'm like I'm terrified of Facebook, so I feel like our podcast is not very active on Facebook, and it's making Mm. me feel like I need to reconsider. Like that, there are pockets of Facebook that are happy, safe, loving places. So
0: yeah, that's the thing. Is like I probably I don't really use my Facebook personally anymore unless I post something on Instagram and it links directly to Facebook. I don't do that. I literally just go there for the cult, and we've actually had a couple of members have to reapply because it's a closed group mm. because they were like i needed to deactivate my account and create a new one so that i don't have any of those toxic friends oh. anymore i am just here for my groups that's awesome yeah it was really it was really smart yeah. um so yeah it i i love it there it's it's the best place on the internet in my humble opinion yeah but yeah, HBs,
1: I am among you, and if you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to come check out our podcast, it is the Wicked yeah. Wallflowers Club, and we we talk about romance too, but we usually interview the authors themselves and like talk about new releases, and we do episodes where we just do like downloads of everything we've been reading, uh-huh. uh, and then if you guys are interested in checking out my book, it's nonfiction, so mm-hmm. brace yourself. It pulls no punches if you are easily offended or easily grossed out by the freaky fucking things that humans do. (laughs) It's probably not for you, but if you are curious, um, it's...
0: If you're a melody, then you should read this book. It's Um, so good, you guys.
1: But it's also... It's only out in hardback right now and they're switching editions and it's like some Mm. ridiculous price. So if you want to read it but are freaked out by what they have it listed at... Shoot me an email and I Aww. will make things happen that I can't talk about on a podcast, but a book sure. might mysteriously arrive in the mail or <laughs> on your Kindle. Seriously, though. like If you guys yeah. want to read it, just um, email me at gmail.com and awesome. I will shoot you either the hardback or the Kindle.
0: Well, and they can follow the podcast on other social media, right? You want to give them those handles? Yeah. So you can... Find me on
1: Instagram or Twitter or Facebook for the podcast, and it's at WCKD Wallflowers. So at mm-hmm. Wicked Wallflowers. And then I'm also there as a human person author thing. Um, and that would just be Jenny Nordback on all platforms. So
0: excellent. Yeah, I'd love to Yay. hear from you guys. Yeah. And then you can, of course, find us on all the places. Um, Instagram is at heaving bosoms. Twitter is at heaving underscore bosoms. I hate doing this. Facebook is at heaving bosoms podcast. There is, of course, the aforementioned heaving bosoms geriatric friendship cult. And you can always send us emails about anything and everything at heaving bosoms podcast at gmail.com. And we love you. And we want you to follow us so that we can talk to you on the internet sort of in real life but not really and take the uh, tape off
1: your mouth and join in the conversation yeah! like
0: <laughs> i get so
1: excited when people are like i heard this and i have this recommendation and i'm like fuck yes mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's the best all right yeah. so keep being a badass
1: love yourself as much as you love worshiping cunts in a sanctuary
0: Yes! <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again. We adore you.
1: Thank you. And have a great day. Yeah. Good luck with the maternity leave.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.